Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. As we get started this morning, just to remind you, the Psalms are a collection of songs like throughout history that we've been using the Psalms as a, as a form of praise, as a time of singing. There's all different things that we see about that as you understand that there are Psalms of praise, joy, lament, repentance, thanksgiving, deliverance, all types of Psalms that come to us. And it's a very powerful thing as you start reading and understanding the Psalms. Sometimes uh, you meet people and they'll say, you know, when I'm really struggling, I go to the Psalms and I read this certain Psalm over and over. I remember one point in my life, I listened to Psalm 93 over and over and over. I probably, this guy was preaching, I probably listened to it 30 or 40 times, that sermon, just trying to fill my mind with the goodness and the greatness and the sovereignty of God, knowing that He is working in all situations and all of life. And so that's just, a, it was really helpful for me, and it's good to read the Psalms, and we don't do that all the time, but Psalm 100, we're reading this morning, is a psalm of thanksgiving. It's a very powerful psalm for us to see. Now, if you'll look there in Psalm 100, you'll see there are seven imperatives in Psalm 100, and then kind of two explanations of why we should do the things that the psalmist is telling us to do. So you kind of note that imperative, of course, is a command. He's saying for us to do certain things, to respond in a certain way to what God has done. Now, we're thinking about the Thanksgiving season. You're trying to put all that together. You think about the reality of Thanksgiving is really tied to the issue of gratitude because of the grace that God has shown us. So if you think about like in the, in the, in the categories of grace, we would say there is common grace that all of humanity gets to experience. You wake up this morning, you know, you're breathing, there's air out there, there's a sun, there's all this order that you'd be able to get up like on Monday and go to work. I mean, there's a lot of different things, just common grace to all people that are worthy of saying, I praise God, He created me, and He placed me somewhere where I could live and have a family and work and do all these wonderful things. And then we would say there's kind of there's a special grace for His people where He has saved them, He's rescued them. And so I just kind of say that as we think about our gratitude towards God is direct correlation to the amount that I believe in the amazing grace of God. So if I see God as a gracious, benevolent God, my heart overflows with thanksgiving. When I don't rightly see God, who He is and what He does, then my heart may not be filled. And so hopefully this morning this will kind of stir up within you. Now, here's the other thing. This is kind of why I wanted to preach first and sing second. It's because you kind of ask the question of what message are you sending to God as you gather here today? I mean, you ever think about that when you go to worship? What message do you send to God? What, what, what do you, how do you come here? What are you thinking about? How do you prepare yourself to, to gather with the people, people of God in worship? I mean, that's a very important, I think, question because we need to ask that because who, who really is the object? Sometimes you go to a church and you know who the object of the worship is? It's however the music sounded that day. And people are like praising the singers. And they enjoy that. Or they're praising the preacher. And they walk out and say, man, he really knocked it out. Oh. It, who is the object here? It's God. 
And so I think it's important that we ask that and say, what signals are we sending? Now, here's the other thing. What signals are you sending to other people here? I mean, but just being here enough says, I'm sending a signal that this is important. And being here regularly, I'm sending a signal that this is important. I'm encouraging the body of Christ. What message do you send when you come here today to lost people? I mean, this, this place, even here, is small and all that stuff. There are people that do not know the Lord. What message are you sending? What's the signal? That God matters? That you wish you, the time would be up quicker? What are you saying to the people that are watching? Listen, the visible community of God, the only visible representation of God in the world is the church. They look at the church as God's picture book. Do you understand that? So what message do we send today as they look at that? Our singing, praising, and general thanksgiving towards God should be filled with expressive joy and adoration and blessing and thanksgiving our attitude towards worship should reflect what's going on in our hearts. It always does. Our words, our tongues reflect what's in our hearts. And I think it's important to ask that question today. What are we sending? Now, a couple of little things I was thinking about when you, when you think about like gratitude and thanksgiving. I don't know if you've ever had problems in a relationship and you ask the question, what if someone came in and healed all your broken relationships? What, what, if he, what if someone came in and did that? What if someone dealt with all your physical issues? I mean, just completely dealt with them. In, 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 what if someone came in and said, I'm gonna, you're never going to have another financial problem again. I got this. And they took care of all of those things. What if someone said, your team gets to win the national championship? What, what would it be like? People are explosive. They'd just be overwhelmed with that because why? Those are all tangible physical benefits. Now, does God give us some of those things? Absolutely. Does He provide for us by His providence in so many ways? Absolutely. But we just think about, like, if those things happen, we would be seeking a way to repay the One who had blessed us so much. But those are just temporary, temporal things that you say that are of lesser value. But what if someone forgave you of all your sins? What if someone said that you're, you're all your, all those past sins, all the evil things that you've done, even in thought, are washed away? What if someone promised you an eternity where you're restored to your Creator and Savior? What, what, if, what if there was a promise of like total and absolute um, intimacy with God at all times? That, that, if that was promised, wouldn't you respond rightly with overflowing joy because of those things the lord has promised those to us and we could imagine and should be thinking about now why do we as believers not long for that some of that is because we're not stirring up those things maybe because we don't regularly worship maybe because we don't regularly personally worship maybe because we don't sit down and think about who god is and what he's done for us because we never take time to do so we think too busy to do so but whatever that is, I think it's just important that we ask that over and over and over again. Now, turn to Psalm 100 as we get started this morning, just so you see, as we're moving through. Start in verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Now, what, here's the thing. Here's the thing. What's a proper response? The psalmist is saying one way to respond to this is a joyful noise, is praising 
God for what He's done. That's one aspect of that. Psalm 98.6 says, With trumpets and the sound of a horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Psalm 95.1 says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 66.1, Shout for joy to God all the earth. There's something about that. Like, like you know, you go to the football game, you do all that stuff, and you see people like shouting with kind of joy when their team scores or something goes on. There's something about that. You say, wait, we're emotional people. And people who rightly know their God, it, what accompanies that is emotions. is praising and honoring our God. It, it, there's an emotional response to God. And you see there's this joyful explosion of joy in this moment. I remember hearing one guy who was kind of a real moderate, kind of never up or down, like just kind of always just kind of moving along. And he said, sometimes I have to tell my face what's going on in my heart. You know, because his wife tells him to do that. Like, you've got to frown, dude. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm filled with joy. And she's like, well, tell your face to straighten up, you know, if you really are. You know, and so I just think it's important as you put that together and think about it. Now, now here's the thing. How do we naturally, how, how do we naturally respond to God? Romans chapter 1 says the natural man, for although they knew God by just seeing all that he's done, they do not honor God or give thanks to him, but they become futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts are darkened. Our natural inclination is to walk away from God, not to celebrate God, not to enjoy God. Our natural way, if you were to say, what is your natural inclination? You are born a God rejecter. Born someone, really what Romans 1 says, wanting to celebrate the creature rather than creator. Yeah, that's what you're born with. That's why I say you can go to some rock concert, you can go to some big football game, you can go to all different types of things, and you see people almost like worshiping those things. Why? Because we would rather worship the creature rather than the creator. And I just think it's important just to say at the very outset that is one of the things that you see when someone is, is not giving thanks to God but rather thinking, hey, I created myself, I made myself, I'm celebrating myself. It's a natural response to say, hey, hold on a second. They do not rightly understand that if they are a creature, there must be a creator and they owe their allegiance to Him. So he's saying make a joyful noise all the earth. And so we just understand that and I think it's important. Now, what's the answer for that? What's the answer for our not doing that? If we say, hey, we're broken in our sins. We don't naturally give thanks to God. We naturally kind of lay Him aside. The answer is this, is to recognize our sinfulness and then to put hope in the Gospel. The Bible says about Jesus in Romans 3, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but they are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Christ came to save us from our idol worship. Christ came to save us from, from giving thanks to ourselves rather than thanks to God. Christ came to redeem us, to restore us back to Him. And so I just say that as we lay that out, we say God in Christ has brought about reconciliation to God and a right orientation of our lives. Instead of worshiping the creature, instead of worshiping created things, we worship the Creator because of what Christ has done. Now, so how do we do that? If we say, Make a joyful noise all the earth. What does that imply? We have Cambodian missionaries here today. Where have they been? They've been overseas. Doing what? Sharing the Gospel. Why? Because God is calling people from every tribe, tongue, and nation to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It is a call that every tribe, tongue, and nation would hear. 
When Paul thought about this, this is what he says in Romans 1. He says, I am under obligation. I am eager. I am not ashamed to share this gospel message. Why? Because he knew that all of humanity were to, to come under the rule and the authority of their Creator and Redeemer and follow Him and to honor Him and give thanks to Him and live for Him. So we share this gospel that reconciles people. Basically, Paul says the wise and the foolish, the Jew and the Greek, he's saying, all of these people out there, we're, we're bringing them in. We're calling out to them to come to hear the gospel. Now, that's why in Romans 10, Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry this gospel message. In this deal, he's saying, he says, come with a joyful heart to praise God. All the earth. And how does that happen? It says people go out and share that message. So that the whole earth would be filled with the praise and adoration of God. We await that day when God will destroy all of His enemies and reconcile people who will lift up their voices. Revelation is filled like has 14 songs in it where they'll be praising God. That's kind of weird that we would not enjoy praising God. It's just weird. Because that's heaven is going to be filled with song. It's going to be filled with people with gratitude bursting forth singing to God. So I just think it's important just to see that as we're moving ahead. Second thing we see in verse 2. So first we make a joyful noise, and second we see that we can serve Him and, and, and we can also come to Him in worship. Both those things are seen in verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. These are two parallels that go together. If somebody says, I love worship, but I don't love serving people, those two don't jive. I mean, but I've heard that on many occasions. Basically, though, what happens in Romans 11:33? this is what it says, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or has been His counselor or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. Paul says, look, when I see what God has done for us, I overflow with joy and adoration and praise and honor. And then listen, what is the response to that? Some people have like this Sunday kind of deal. I went to worship. They check it off their list. But Paul's going to say all of life is worship and service to God. Worship and service run together. They, they, are, they are one and the same, if you will. Like That's how it goes. So, so the idea in this verse is serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Those two run together. There's this idea of coming together as a gathered people, but there's also this idea of service that goes into all of life. Romans 12.1, following those verses, says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Those run together. You see that? I mean, that's a powerful thing. Our worship, our service are all together. And not only that, it's all of life. So we do gather corporately, and we should, but that's not all of it. So our lives should be filled with that. Now, I just want, if you were to, um, if you were to think about maybe what keeps you from serving others, and you were to make out a list of those things, would, you, would it be busyness? Selfishness? Perfectionism? Like where I say, I want to keep my life in order so I don't really have time for anybody else. I mean, really, if I had time for other people, it would mess up my life. What, what really hinders us from serving one another, serving the poor, serving the stranger, serving those in need? What, what hinders that? I, I think a lot of that's tied to those. Now, you can ask the question, do you want your family to follow your example of praise, service, and worship? Did you hear that? 
He wants your family to follow your example of praise, service, and worship. Would you say, y'all follow me in the way that I follow after the Lord in praise and service and worship? Is that frightening? That you would be the example? That they would be watching you today? They would be watching you Monday through Friday? And say, follow that example. Now, now here's the thing. This is what the, the psalmist is going to do. He's going to call them to do that, and he's going to say, well, why would you do that? I mean, why would you make so much of God? Why would you live for God and honor Him in this way? Number, as you go to verse 3, we're going to look at two things. He is our Creator, and He is our Savior. But notice what it says, know that the Lord, He is God. The idea there, know that the Lord, He is our Creator. What does that mean? He is our Creator and Lord. That's important to know. You could say God is our creator, but the very outset of that means that it, it is His plan. He put you here. He designed you for something. He is the commander of His created order. Therefore, as His creator, I mean creature, you're asking, what does a creator want of me? And so I just think it's important. He is God. He, he is our creator. It's kind of at the heart of that. Look what it says. It is He who has made us and we are his our allegiance to him is necessary we would say even i mean that's you know when you make something it is to be used for you if you build a tool which most of us don't do that we go to the store and pick one up but if you build it you build it for an intended purpose to be used by you for your own purpose for what you are accomplishing god created us in this way so that we would do what he had for us to do now, as you keep moving, and we are His... Well, let's stop real quick. One more thing. That also picks up the idea of an image bearer. We are created in the image of God to image Him. To, 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 to walk in the ways of God so that, so that we, we somehow glorify God as we walk closer to Him. And that, of course, is restored as we come to Christ. But notice the next thing that we see. He's not only our Creator, but He is our Savior. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture that's so important so he's saying praise the lord honor serve the lord honor the lord with everything come into worship and honor him gather with the people of god he lays that out and then he says why because he is our creator and he's our savior if you were to read the ten commandments when you read them in exodus 20 and deuteronomy 5 you know what you find out both of those the sabbath kind of worship aspects as you think about that one points you to the Creator, the other to God as your Redeemer. Something that's a recurring theme throughout the Bible, that we praise Him for both of these things. What is distinct for us that gather here this morning, that claim the name of Christ, what makes it different? We're not just recipients of God's just common grace to all men, we're also recipients of His special grace. He did not just create us, He recreated us. He transformed us. He saved us. He's changed us. He's called us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son. That is a powerful thing to be saved by God. We are a part of His church. It's amazing that we would experience that. How much more should we praise Him? I'm going to read Psalm 23 because I think it fits really well here. But I want you to think about the fact that He is, he is with His people 
and you think about it as His church, as they experience God as shepherd, God who set His covenant love upon them. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. And Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. To know God as your shepherd is, means He is with us. We've been studying Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is with them. They go through many dangers and toils and snares, all that kind of stuff we'd say, just like Amazing Grace speaks of, but God is with them. And He is working in their life. He provides, He guides, He protects, He pursues them. What should be a natural response? Thanksgiving. Overwhelming thanksgiving for what God has done. And so I just think it's important we note that as we're moving through. Now you say, man, I've been through some tough times this year. And we see that God's people are not promised, oh, it's all easy, it's, all, it's never difficult. We're never promised that. But God is with His people and ultimately He will take care of them eternally. They have amazing benefits. Eternal benefits. Now, verse 4. Let's keep moving forward here. As you kind of continue forward in this verse 4, it says, enter His gates with thanksgiving. It's a call to enter. It's a command to enter. Now, just think, the gates had something tied to just entering into the presence of God, into the temple, those kinds of things. Have you ever felt like an outsider? I mean, Really? Have you ever like applied for something and you didn't get it? Have you ever not been invited to a party if you were like a kid? You know, you kind of nobody invited me, nobody chose me on the team, nobody allowed me to. I mean, we think of all the different things that you can ways that you can experience rejection. You know what the greatest rejection of all will be? I mean, really? The, the greatest fear should you you should be for you is the one who could destroy both your body and soul in hell. That should be the greatest fear. Because the trouble, I mean, you just think about, if you don't enter in, if you don't experience the entrance into God's kingdom, you are outside of that, under a curse, and forever you will be judged. Forever you will be outside of the presence of God. Forever you will be under the wrath of God eternally. Man, that is just astonishing. But he says now, enter in. Come into, uh, enter His gates with thanksgiving, praising Him for what He's done. He's calling them to dwell with Him. You remember, in the, one of the things throughout the history of Israel, one was when Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden, they're out of the presence of God. And you think about the children of Israel, they're outside of the, the temple, the Holy of Holies part, where they can't have access to God. But when Jesus died on the cross, He tore the, the, the temple, uh, the, 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 I can't even spit it out now, the veil it was torn in two. We have access. We've been given access to enter into God, to know God, to speak to God. And His courts with praise. Praise should be on our lips. Recently, um, I had to get one of these sleep studies, and then I got like the sleep CPAP machine. And it, uh, that thing's a nightmare a little bit. I mean, it, Skip says it's good. Skip, is he in here? I don't know how. That dude can sleep with anything on. But I mean, it, I'm struggling with that deal. But anyway, I go to the sleep doctor and this. This lady, this lady walks in like behind me, and uh, when she comes in, I mean, somebody opened the door, and she was like, "Praise Jesus," you know. And then she sits down, and she's like, "Praise Jesus." And then you know, they call her name, and she's like, "Praise Jesus." And then like, you know, I was good night. And so 
then uh, I made me kind of feel bad. I was like, man, I need to start praising Jesus, you know. But she comes back out of the office, and, and actually, like, I beat her to the place to get my ma- uh, mask or whatever. But when I got there, whatever, she walks in, and she's like, praise Jesus. And they call her name, and praise Jesus. And, and I thought, good night. But there is something about, I hope she was sincere in that, but there is something about that reality where it's a constant state of praise. We should be filled with joy as we think about it. Our access to God and all the goodness that He's provided for us. He goes on to say, give thanks and bless His name. The idea of blessing His name is to praise Him for His character. For all the things that He is, who God is, it's laying that out. But there is also this element to what all the benefits you have from knowing God. I was thinking about that. We could say, hey, I could sit down. Y'all, I don't, I don't know how many people do use Facebook, but anyway. There's all these people putting all these posts up right now about, I'm thankful for this today, I'm thankful for that. And they got like, you know, things every day or whatever. Thankful for my family, for my kid. For the, you know. And those are great things. Those are benefits of just being in this world that God has provided them with friends, family, nature, jobs, athletics, creativity, I mean, music. You could just make this long list of these things. We could say, I am thankful for those things. I want to give thanks to God for, for what He's provided me and His providence. I mean, again, His nature, what He's done. He says He is a God of gifts. He's blessed us with those things. But also spiritual things. I mean, you could list out things and you could say, you know what? As a believer here, the Father chose me. The Son redeemed me. The Spirit sealed me. All those things are very powerful for us. Our God has done that. The the Lord has spoken to us. He's given us His Word. He's given the Spirit that we might empower us. The Lord, if you're a Christian here today, you've been justified. You've been pardoned of all your, your sins. You've been accepted by God. You've also been adopted into His family and all of the riches of God are coming to you. That's a powerful thing. You've you've been also sanctified. And there's a very powerful deal that God is, is working holiness in you and transforming you. Those are amazing benefits. We just think about, we could spend hours talking about all those you have an eternity with God. The benefits are unlimited. His resources are unlimited. Therefore, the benefits are. We just think about all those things and we praise God for what He has given us. Now, look at verse 5. So he's, 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 he's keeping giving the commands and now he's going to do a little bit more explanation. This is the last little bit here. For the Lord is good. He's just said that over and over. He's explaining the Lord is good. How do we know that? What do we, what do we see in that? We see He's infinitely good. If you think about in your Bible, if you were to read your Bible at the very created, like the, right after He created the whole everything, it says, behold, it was very good. When He gave the law, it was said that law was good. When He speaks of His will, He says, it is good and pleasing and, and so valuable. But not only that, the Gospel is the good news. What comes forth from God, it's good. And He is good. And we should praise Him because He's good. But not only that, Because God is love. Notice that. His steadfast love endures forever. Throughout the Bible, His steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. We see that over and over. Paul spoke of, of, of Christ's love for us. What is the breadth and length and height and depth? Know the love of Christ. It surpasses knowledge. It, it's so big that we can't even get it. And we read about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Israel, 
in, in the church and we think about the persecuted church and we think about the church abroad and we say God has shown His love for them. And it's a steadfast love. And we say, good night, I'm so rebellious, I'm so broken, I'm so weak, I'm so like not loving God. I don't want to love God. I don't cling to God. And over and over we say, God's steadfast love, it continues to endure. It perpetually endures. It will never cease to endure. That is a powerful thing. And then the last thing, God is faithful. How many times am I faithless? Oh my goodness. If I were to count the times that I was faithless, without faith, without trusting God. How many times I thought I'm gonna do I'm gonna do it my way. I'm gonna live my I'm not gonna be faithful to God. I want my I want to do what I want. I want to embrace my sins. I want to control my life. I'm gonna move away from God. I don't want to be faithful to God. There's nothing good in that. And yet God is faithful. He's pursuing me with his faithfulness. Throughout the history, again, like of Jacob's life, we think, good night. This guy is faithless and unfaithful. And you think, what is going on? And God's just pursuing him relentlessly with goodness and mercy all the days of his life. Even when he just continues to rebel. And even to us, when we're thinking about all these things and we're saying, I want to go my own way. I want to live my own life. And you think, what is happening? Why would God keep loving me? Why would God keep pursuing me? Why would God keep passing goodness to me. Why is He doing that over and over and over again? And the psalmist is saying, praise Him for that. Thank Him for that. When we are faithless, He is faithful. In this psalm, we see make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord. Come into His presence. Know that He is God. Why? Because He made us. Why? Because He saved us. Enter His gates. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. Why? Because He is good. Why? Because He is loved. Why? Because He is faithful. Have you done that lately? Have you set before the Creator and Savior and blessed His name? Have you thought just these wonderful grand thoughts as you ceased to, to strive after all these things and said, our God is good. He is great. He is merciful. He's extended so many wonderful things to me. And I want to praise and honor His name. If you're here today, the most foolish thing in the world that you could do would be to reject this God. The most foolish thing in the world to, to do is just to say, I'm not going to give thanks to the One who created me. I'm going to rebel to the One that's offered salvation to me. I'm just going to keep going my own way. That is the greatest fool on the planet because one day your soul will be required of you. If you have turned to Him, I just encourage you today, I lose that, man. I do. As I go through my life, I lose that. I lose the gratitude and the thanksgiving and just saying, golly, I can't believe what God has done for me. May you stop this morning and praise and honor Him who is good, who is loving, who is faithful, and who created you and saved you. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You have offered to us blessings beyond measure. Physical things, sure. But our spiritual benefits are beyond understanding. And we ask, Lord, this morning that You would just help us see that. 
I pray that our tongues would be overflowing with joy as we sing today. May we not be people who are just sitting back as if we are not overwhelmed by grace. May you warm our hearts this morning as we sing praises to you. May we respond in just overwhelming joy. In Christ's name, amen.